Section 43 of United States Senate Election, Expulsion, and Censure Cases, 1793-1990, by Anne M. Butler. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Joanne Turner. Case 41, Benjamin Stark, 1820-1898, Oregon. Election Case, Expulsion Case. Appointment, January 6, 1862, to June 6, 1862. Issues, alleged disloyalty to Union. Chronology, credentials presented, January 6, 1862. Referred to committee, January 10, 1862. Committee report, February 7, 1862. Referred to select committee, March 18, 1862. Committee report, April 22, 1862. Senate vote, June 6, 1862. Result, seated, not expelled. Background. Despite their distance from the battle zones, Oregon's political factions reflected the national divisiveness of the Civil War. Local party alliances shifted as Whigs converted to Republicans and as Democrats split into ardent Unionists or Secessionists. Strongly committed to the Union cause, Oregon Senator Edward D. Baker joined both the Republican Party and the Union Army. Soon after Baker denied rumors that he planned to resign his Senate seat through a communication to the Oregon legislature, he was killed at the Battle of Ball's Bluff in October 1861. Governor John Whitaker, who was widely regarded as a secessionist, immediately appointed Benjamin Stark, a lawyer, land speculator, and former state legislator, to serve an interim Senate term until the next session of the legislature. Opposed to the abolitionist views of Republicans in the state, Stark, who began his career in the territory as a Whig, had bolted to the state Democratic organization. Oregon Democrats, however, considered Stark's defection to their party to be little more than political expediency. His appointment to Phil Baker's seat elicited a storm of protest, both from Republicans grieving over the loss of their beloved Baker and from the divided Democrats. Statement of the Case On the day Stark left for Washington, a group of Oregon businessmen drew up a petition of charges against the new senator. Their strategy included sending a letter to Secretary of War William H. Seward, in which they accused Stark of disloyalty. When Stark presented his credentials on January 6, 1862, William P. Fessenden, Republican of Maine, led the opposition to seating him. Four days later, James A. Bayard, Jr., Democrat of Delaware, with whom Stark had conferred as soon as he learned of the petition, defended the constitutionality of the new senator's appointment. Bayard asserted that the candidate demonstrated all constitutional qualifications and that the Oregon governor had exercised legitimate authority when he named an interim appointee while the legislature was in recess. Therefore, he argued, Stark had a right to take his seat. If he were later found to be disloyal to the Union, 
the Senate could always expel him after a two-thirds vote. Bayard believed it was dangerous to set the precedent of excluding a qualified member on the basis of his views because that action could be taken by a simple majority vote. Unconvinced, the Senate referred Stark's credentials to the Judiciary Committee for review. Response of the Senate On February 7, 1862, the committee issued a report favorable to Stark, despite some inflammatory testimony given by his Oregon foes. Among his public remarks in favor of secession, Stark was accused of saying, quote, the Southern Confederacy is the only legal government in existence. Jeff Davis is fighting in a good cause, and it will be impossible to defeat him, unquote. Although Stark's comments had been decidedly indiscreet, the Judiciary Committee appeared reluctant to bar him from the Senate and refused to rule on the charges. Radical Republicans quickly marshaled their forces to assail the committee's recommendations and tied their protests to a definition of the word loyalty. During the course of the debate, Charles Sumner, Republican of Massachusetts, contended that loyalty should also be an added qualification for acceptance of a senator. The tide turned on February 18th when Fessenden reversed his earlier stance. Since Stark's remarks had been made before he was elected senator and the committee had no way of knowing the circumstances, he stated that he had decided to vote in favor of seating Stark. On February 27th, after days of wrangling, the Senate voted 26 to 19 to seat Stark, quote, without prejudice to any further proceedings in the case, unquote. Voting with the majority was his Oregon colleague, James Nesmith, Democrat, who, believing that Stark had an unshakable constitutional right to the seat, chose to ignore the damage an affirmative vote might do to his own reputation in Portland. With the oath of office administered, the controversy would have ended had not Stark himself revived it. On February 28th, Stark, stung by the fervor of the Republican opposition, asked the Judiciary Committee to review the matter and investigate the charges against him. The Senate delayed action on Stark's resolution until March 18th, when it voted to establish a select committee to conclude the inquiry. Relations between the select committee and Stark remained hostile. Stark wanted the committee to present specific charges. The committee, uninterested in sending an expensive investigating team to Oregon, wished the senator to produce new evidence of his innocence. In a long communication to the committee on April 10th, Stark pointed out that he was being challenged simply for his opinions and renewed his request that the committee prepare charges. When the committee asked whether he wished to submit further testimony, Stark on April 15th responded, quote, I have nothing to add, unquote. With Stark steadfastly refusing to cooperate, the committee turned again to the original statements from Oregonians. 
It concluded that these affidavits, earlier judged to be the concoctions of political rivals, were, in fact, fair and unprejudiced. On April 22, the Select Committee reported to the Senate that Benjamin Stark was an advocate of rebellion, that he supported the Confederate Constitution, and that he was disloyal to the United States government. Stark's failure to supply proof of his innocence, the committee asserted, left it no alternative but to believe the evidence placed before it. Based on the committee's report, Charles Sumner, on May 7, 1862, introduced a resolution calling for the expulsion of Benjamin Stark, which the Senate defeated on June 6 by a vote of 21 to 16. Senators seemed not to consider the case as serious, since the Oregon legislature would meet in a few months to elect a senator to finish the term to which Stark had been appointed. The currents of political power in the state made it clear that the unpopular Stark would not be returned to his seat. Throughout the process, Stark made no replies in his own defense, and the Senate took no further action on the case. Conclusion In the midst of the angry turmoil associated with the Civil War, many senators believed that refusing to seat Stark would establish dangerous precedents. Exclusion of a duly appointed member would have been accomplished through a simple majority vote, rather than the two-thirds vote required for expulsion, thus opening the door to purely political vendettas. Moreover, the nature of the challenge threatened to add new qualifications, in this instance loyalty, to the existing constitutional requirements of age, citizenship, and residence. Fearing that adding one new qualification would make it hard to limit others in the future, the Senate opted not to tamper with the constitutional order. Benjamin Stark's brief senatorial career, in which he served on no committees and remained an insignificant figure, concluded with the election of his successor in September 1862. Stark continued to be active in the Democratic Party of Oregon and retained his business interests in the state when he later moved to Connecticut, where he resided until his death in 1898. End of Case 41, End of Section 43